And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Today, I want to talk to you um, out of a story that Jesus shared out of Matthew chapter 25. So you can begin to kind of make your way there. Matthew 25. And we're going to talk about today about regifting our potential. Regifting our potential. And before we jump into it, I want to, I want to, I want to share this. This is something the Lord kind of laid on my heart, kind of a vision um, during worship today related to this series. Is that none of these topics, um, none of these topics are necessarily easy topics. They require us, like the song we sang today, to kind of, to make a little bit of room, right? Our selfish nature does not want to, um, to lean into these kind of teachings. But what the Lord kind of showed me, uh, during worship today is, is I'm not a agriculture guy. I'm not, I don't have a green thumb at all. I don't do a whole lot of planting. Um, but there is this tool and somebody maybe can help me with it. Um, when the, when the ground is hard and you're going to plant some sort of like, like crop or some tomatoes or something, it, it has this kind of handle. And on the bottom, it has like these, these, these things and you stick it in and you twist it. What is it? Like a tiller or something. And, and you kind of twist it and it begins to break up the ground, right? The soil so that you can put seed into the soil and it can produce. All right. This series is like the tiller of our souls <laughs> because it doesn't feel good, right? Like if, if dirt had, um, emotions and could feel the pain of being, being, you know, being like twisted on and broken apart, it wouldn't like it, but it is a preparation of the soil to be able to produce a crop. And so this series has been a tilling kind of series. Like it's, it's, uh, like I, I don't know about that. Like that doesn't feel good. Like, you know, the kind of the breaking apart of, of, of the soil in our spirit. But what I really want to encourage you is to lean into that because, um, because in this, it's not, the tilling is not designed to, um, just create pain. The tilling is designed to create room so that God can do what he wants to do in our lives. So at the end of the day, um, it all boils down to this. Like, if you want God to work mighty in your life, these are some of the practices that you have to have in your life. If you're cool with life, just kind of doing it your way and living short of your potential for the rest of your life, then totally dismiss any of these messages right? And, and you'll get what, what you desire in your life. And so we're going to talk a little bit about potential today, and we're going to till up a little bit more soil, but, uh, but it's for our benefit so that God can do in our lives what he wants to do in our life. And so with that said, let's prepare our hearts today with our congregational prayer. Say this with me, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to throw out a few names this morning. And there's something, there's one thing that all of these names that I'm going to mention that they have in common. There is a, a thread that, that weaves through all of these names. Um, and I want you to see if you can identify what the thread is. In the Bible, Abraham, what did he do? He offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Noah, 
Noah built a boat despite it never having rained before he built the boat. Miriam defied Pharaoh and he saved, she saved Moses. Moses, he delivered the Egyptians from slavery. David, David fought a giant and won. Joshua, he, he got the promised land despite all the naysayers. Esther risked her life to save the Jewish people. Mary, well, Mary accepted her purpose and calling to, to carry Jesus. Jesus, he gave up his life so that you and I could have life. The disciples, all of which were called to spread the gospel all around the world, all of which were martyred except for one, and that was John. Meaning all of them were killed for the calling that was on their life except for one individual. In America, you've got somebody like Neil Armstrong, who was the first to step foot on the moon. You've got the 56 individuals that signed the Declaration of Independence. You've got Frederick Douglass, who fought against slavery and fought for women's rights. You've got Thomas Edison, who after a thousand failures of trying to to make the light bulb work, finally got the light bulb to work. You've got somebody brave like Rosa Parks, who decided she's not going to give up her seat in the bus. You've got somebody like Dr. Martin Luther King, who lived and devoted his life and gave up his life for equal rights because he had a dream that white people and black people could, could, could play together and work together and do life together. You've got Abraham Lincoln, who, um, when it wasn't popular, um, was all about freeing people from slavery. You've got the Wright brothers, who were the first to fly. They built a plane. They had no idea it was going to work, and they were the first to fly. There is a theme that runs through, that weaves its way through all of these individuals, both in the Bible and in America. And here's what that theme is. This is what they all have in common. They all had to take risks to fulfill the potential. Every single one of them had to take some risks in order to fulfill their potential. If you think about it in your life and you think about it in in context of the people that have made the biggest difference in your life, These are all individuals that had to take a risk one way or another in order for that to happen. Like there's nothing great, there's nothing captivated, there's nothing that makes a difference in our world that doesn't require some sort of risk in order for it to come to pass. And I think the question that, that I have for you, the question that God is, is asking of me is when was the last time you took a risk for God. When was the last time that you did something like Jose and Ingrid are doing, that they're taking a step, a risk, a step of faith because God spoke something to their heart and they're not waiting for all the things to be, be done perfectly and them to have whatever educational background that they may be tempted to have. They're doing, they're taking a step of faith. They're taking a risk so that they can see God's potential come to life in them and they can make a difference and an impact in other people's lives. When was the last time 
that you took a risk for God. There's this highway that, that, that connects um, the United States to Alaska. And it's the Alaskan Highway. And uh, at the beginning of the highway, it, it, there's a sign. And the sign says, choose your rut carefully. That, that should already be a clue that this is, this is going to be a cold drive, right? Choose your rut carefully because you're going to be in it for the next 200 miles. When I think of that sign, I kind of think that we live our lives, spiritual lives, kind of like that. Like at some point, I think the studies show that, that most people on average, um, they never... Um, they never really go deeper with God, become more um, uh, discipled as a follower of Christ beyond like year five of their faith. Like once, once they get to year five, they kind of plateau for the rest of their life. And, and, it, and it's, almost like, it's almost like somewhere along that time frame in our lives, we choose the rut that we're going to live our life spiritually in. And we live our lives like that for the rest of our lives. But I want you to understand that God's call on our life is never a call that's out of our reach, but it's always going to be out of our comfort zone. God's call on your life and my life is never going to be out of our reach. It's something that can be attained. It's something that God can do in our lives, but it will always be outside of our comfort zone. And in a world where playing it safe seems to be the, the kind of preferred way of living, Jesus was crystal clear that God had a problem with this kind of living. And the reason why God had a problem with us playing it safe with our relationship with Him is because there is no trust where there is no risk. Right? When we live our lives in our comfort zone and never take risk for God, then it becomes a reflection of our level of trust in God. And so in Matthew chapter 25, we see the story of, of, of the parable of the talents. And in this story, we see that risk-taking, the taking steps of faith in our faith journey, that it is a necessary part of us becoming who God has called us to be. And so I want us to look in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read uh, quite a few verses here so you can capture the story. We're going to read 14 through 30. And then I want to share with you on the backside of this text, I want to share with you four observations um, that in my prayer time this week, um, as it relates to us regifting our potential back to God, um, I want us to look at four observations that really jumped out at me this week. So let's take a look in uh, starting in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. That he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. 
The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five times more. The servant who, um, with two bags of silver, also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, what did he do? He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Whose money? His, his money, right? Remember that? We're, we're managers, right? We're not owners, we're managers. Verse 20, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of the silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant, that you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant, that you had been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, and so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. (laughs) Okay. If you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered Take the money from his servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not only is that a powerful story, but it's, if it's not a little convicting to you this morning, like your convictor kind of, kind of thing is broken, right? Like it, it has been convicting to me (laughs) this week. And if you didn't catch the, the parallel in the story, the man is God, right? The servants represent us. And kind of the, the moral of the story is, is that God expects us to do something with the potential that He's given us. And so I want to give you four observations this morning that come out of that story. The first one is that our next level is determined by how we steward our current level. Our next level is determined by how we steward our current level. In verse 15, you'll see that it 
It says he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. And then he makes a statement um, that the first time I read it, I thought I misread it. He says, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Like, I don't know about you, but that statement when I first read it, it didn't sit all that well <laughs> with me because if, um, if that, that scripture in Romans chapter 2 that God is no respecter of persons is accurate, then why didn't God give the same amount of silver to all three of the men, right? Like we live in a world that's all about like fair. Like that's not fair. But what I realize is that God isn't a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. In other words, in other words, God desires his will to come to pass in all of our lives. But he can only honor that desire in his heart towards us when we are living out the principles that he's placed before us. Like there is a, a connection. The respecter person doesn't mean we can live our life however we want to live it. And God is still on the hook to bring forth the promises that are have been spoken over our lives, that there is a connection with the way that we live our lives and are we aligning our lives with what God has, has, has called us to live. And it's in that that we began to see his promises come to pass. You see, if I'm going to be like real, if I'm going to be real plain with you today, this is what I've noticed is that most people get angry with God for what they don't have even though they did nothing with the last opportunity God gave them. Right? How many times, how many, like, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching in like, I'm amen. Like, I'm like, ooh, like, because this is a journey I'm on too. But how many times have we seen somebody else get the blessing. We've seen somebody, I'm not, when I say blessing, I'm not talking about money. When, when's the last time we've seen, um, somebody else like walking in what God has for them and we get jealous or we get upset and we wonder like, God, why are you allowing them, right? To experience that. And I've got this. And could it be because the last opportunity God gave for us, we just kind of threw it away. You see, the next season of ability will depend on the last season's responsibility. When Jesus says that dividing it up in proportion of their abilities, like the abilities that we have in this season are because of the responsibilities that we fulfilled and we lived out in the previous season. When we live in this season of responsibility and we choose not to respond in the way that God would have us respond in this season, it limits our next season. The biblical word for this is the word stewardship. 
Okay, stewardship is not just a, a word about finances and money. Stewardship is a word about how we do life and how we live life. Stewardship says what I do today unlocks my potential for tomorrow. The decisions I make today in my life unlock the potential of what my life will look like tomorrow. Like, are we being a good steward of our marriage? What we do today, the decisions we're making today in our marriage determines the potential of that marriage tomorrow. Like how I steward my work ethic today determines the potential of advancement tomorrow. How I steward my my school grades today determines the potential of my career tomorrow. How I steward my paycheck this week determines the potential of my paycheck next week. Listen, God is watching. He is watching how we live our lives. And if we want to move from the season we're in now to the next season that God has for us, then we have to steward better the season we are currently in. And so if we're tired of this season, if we're tired of the same old stuff on repeat in our lives, the same old, same old, the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, am I stewarding this current season of my life in the way that God would have me steward it? Because if not, then it limits what my season looks like tomorrow. Second observation that I see in this text is that God gives more to the ones who take risks. In verse 23, it says, The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant, that you had been faithful in handling uh, this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know, the, the, the two words that really jumped out at me was the word small and amount. And again, don't pigeonhole this message to finances. Back away from that and think bigger with the way that we live our lives. But the two words that stuck out to me, small amount, like a talent in those days, which one piece of silver, a talent, in those, depending on the translation that you're looking at, in those days was worth about 20 years' salary. So one guy had five, so he had 100 years' worth of salary in his bag. The other one, right, had 40 years of salary in his bag, and the other one had 20 years of salary in his bag. And Jesus says... <laughs> He says that's a small amount. You catch that? Like he tells, I mean, dude's got a hundred year salary. Anybody else cool with having a hundred year salary like in their bank account right now? I mean, I'll take 40. I'll take 40. Like I'll be the, the guy with two bags. Got no problem. I'll be the guy with one bag. Like I don't care. Right? And Jesus is like, that's a small amount. Why would he say that's a small amount? Well, maybe it's because Jesus recognizes 
the potential that He has deposited inside of each and every one of us. And what we look at in our lives as being grandiose and, and big and like, like whatever perception we have, Jesus looks at that and be like, oh, dude, that's small. Like that is, it, it reminds me of that, that, that verse in, in Ephesians, exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ever ask or think. Like to me, a hundred year salary is a big deal. That's not being narrow focused, but in God's eyes, knowing how he, the potential that he has placed inside of each and every one of us, God looks at that and he says, you have no idea what you are capable of and what I have weaved into the fabric of your life and what I want to do in your life financially and what I want to do in your life professionally and what I want to do in your life with your family and with your kids. Like you have no idea. Here's what I've come to realize is that God isn't limited by our small thinking. He's limited by our lack of obedience. Like the things that we struggle with right now in our lives and like, God, why is this not changing? Why is this not changing? Why is this not changing? It's not because he doesn't have enough. It's not like he's got to rob a bank or something at some point in order to provide what is needed. Like he's got more, he's the God of more than enough, like more than enough money, more than enough, like personality, more than enough, like skill set, more than enough opportunities and influence, like more than enough. Maybe, maybe the question we should be asking is, is God, where, what area of my life have I been, um, unwilling to risk? What area of my life have you been leading me to take a step of faith, but I've refused to do it. And now I'm upset with you because you're holding back from me when really in order for me to unlock my next season, I've got to be a good steward of my current season. Ooh, tilling up the ground today. I don't know what you see when you see me up here. I know what some of you see because you've told me, but uh, no, I'm just (laughs) just teasing. I don't know what you see when you see me up here. But... I'm not up here because in college I was a good communicator. I'm doing what I'm doing now, making whatever impact um, God is wanting to make through my life. Um, Not because 25 years ago in college, somebody saw something in me and they they fanned a flame and, and and I shot out of a cannon and whatever. No, it... It kind of starts back um, when the Lord stirred in my heart like he did in Jose and Ingrid's heart. But in my heart, it was to change my, my major. And I took a risk and I changed my major to pastoral ministries. And the next season, it was, would you volunteer and lead a sixth grade ministry? And the next season, it was, would you volunteer your time and do janitorial work around um, 
around the church and clean the pastor's fish tanks. He had tons of fish tanks with eels in them, and I hate fish. Like, I mean, I would jab those eels in the face with that little little sponge thing. Like, I hated it. Put my arm down in that thing. Like, you're crazy. But I said yes to God. Not only was that a risk spiritually, but I was, man, I was scared for my life. I gave up my life for that. No. Or that time that the Lord stirred my heart to give my testimony at a, at a youth group, having never really spoken in front of people. And I said yes to God. And in that service was the biggest drug dealer in the area who gave his heart to God. His life forever changed. Not because of me. Because I took a risk. I took a kingdom risk. Or maybe, maybe for me it was, it was the years, the, the 15, 16 years that I served underneath five other lead pastors as a, as a staff pastor. And I supported them and encouraged them. And, and, and I devoted my life to, to, to help bring to pass the vision that God had placed inside of them to be to be faithful even through hurt and disappointment like those are those are risks those are steps of faith because um i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of push back and hurt and disappointment when i'm putting my trust in me but if i'm putting my trust in god then i'm going to take a step forward i'm going to do what he's calling me to do i had to say yes i had to take a step of faith you know a little over a year ago when 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 we loved the church that we were at and we missed the people that we got to to, to pastor and God had done amazing things in that church, but, but God was prompting our heart and, and the opportunity to follow an amazing pastor. Pastor Terrell had been here for, for 18 years. Like the people that were close to me were like, you'd be crazy to leave what you have and to follow a pastor that has, is beloved and has been there for 18 years. Like that's a death sentence for most pastors. Like you never want to be the guy to follow a long-term guy. You want to be the guy that comes and cleans up the mess that the guy made to follow the long-term guy. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you're trying to figure out which one of those I am. Listen, I can tell. I don't <laughs> but the Lord spoke, and we took a step of faith, and we took a risk because we want to, to be obedient in our life. God's not limited by small thinking, He's limited by small acts of obedience. In our life, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, that as somebody who has not got it right all the time, but somebody who has devoted his life to saying yes to God, no matter how it felt along the way, my, my heart, my challenge to you is to not bury your potential. Don't bury your potential there's more inside of you than you can possibly imagine and the worst thing that we can possibly do with our lives is to live our life in the rut to choose the rut of the comfort zone for whatever reason we choose it and to live the rest of our spiritual lives that way take a risk Get outside of your comfort zone and watch how God will elevate your life to new levels. I love what Muhammad Ali said. He said, he who is not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. 
yes and amen. That's a one-sentence sermon right there. (laughs) Number three. Jesus called the one who played it safe wicked and lazy. I'm not saying it. I'm reading the Bible. It's a Jesus story, not my story. Jesus called the one who played it safe wicked and lazy. In verse 24, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you, you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. What do you say? I was afraid. I was, af- I was afraid. I was afraid I'd lose your money. I was afraid that I'd take that step out and lead a small group or something and nobody would show up. Like I was afraid that... Anyway, that I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. (laughs) Look, here's your money back. Here's your money back. And the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. I want you to notice something in in this story. This guy didn't kill anybody. He didn't kill anybody. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't see anywhere in here where he stole something. I don't see anything in here where he created or, or uh, committed some immoral act. This dude didn't even run over grandma with a reindeer. Like, like. <laughs> and on top of all of that, he returned every single penny back to God that God gave him. God didn't do anything really wrong through our eyes, but in Jesus' perspective, he was still wicked and lazy. And the reason why is because he allowed fear to cause him to play it safe and to live short of his potential. You see, most of us in our lives, we look at wickedness and we look at it in terms of the bad things that, that people do. And yes, that can be true, but Jesus also looks at wickedness in terms or through the lens of the good things we don't do. And I think the reason why is because our lack of stepping outside of our comfort zone, that it reveals our level of trust in Him. Listen, God is on a mission to get out of us what He has placed within us. That's His mission. That's His his goal in life. And when we refuse to allow Him to do that, He considers that and considers us wicked and lazy. The fourth thing that I see in this story is that God doesn't give people things that He doesn't want them to use. He doesn't give any of us anything that He doesn't want us to use. In verse 29, it says, To those who use well what they are given, what's going to happen? Even more will be given. Don't go down the money, don't pigeonhole this to money. Think bigger, back away. Think bigger, 
bigger picture of our lives. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have is going to be taken away. What a waste. What a waste to be given so much and yet do so little with it. Like I think of the NFL draft and, and the busts. Like maybe you've heard of the, like, like the most, most famous, the biggest NFL busts. These are people, these are players that in college showed lots of potential. Right, and they got recruited at at, at or got drafted at a, at a high level in the first round in the draft. But once they got into the NFL, they performed short of that potential. Church, let's refuse to accept this Americanized version of Christianity, where we play it safe and and wind up spiritual busts. And our lives. C.S. Lewis said that the way to know that you are living by faith is that what you are doing for God, that it scares you a little. That it scares you a little. Church, what, what risk? Is God wanting you to take for the kingdom of God next year that you've been unwilling to take for Him this year? Like, what is it? What is it in your life? What is it that, that the Lord has been, been stirring in your heart? In this past year, the past couple years, you've been unwilling to to take that step of faith for whatever reason. For Jose and Ingrid, it's to start a young adult ministry. Maybe for you, maybe it's to start a business. Maybe, maybe for you, that risk, that step of faith is to, to finally break up with that loser boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> keeps dragging you down. Like, I don't know, like maybe the risk for you is to volunteer in kids church maybe the risk for you is to finally step out and and get some counseling like maybe for you it's to lead a small group or to audition for the worship team or to lead a local outreach or to invite a friend or a co-worker to church i don't know but i have a sense that you might because it's been that thing that every once in a while it stirs in your heart and your hands get sweaty and your heart races. And you've come up with whatever amounts of reasons and excuses. For this one guy, his excuse was harsh and afraid. What has God been prompting you to risk that out of fear and worry or lack of resources or whatever that you have been unwilling to take a leap into uncharted waters.
to make room in your heart for what he wants to do in your life. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.